Hello, I'm Kevin Giovanoni, the uh, MS neurologist behind MS Selfie. I've been a little bit lax in that I've been away on a short break over the summer, visiting a good old friend in the north of Denmark, and I had a lovely break. Um, but I want to just do a short MS Selfie podcast on this issue of burnt out uh, MS and whether it exists or not. And what drove this was a patient I saw today who was a 46-year-old man who had secondary progressive MS and he was started on saponimab about 18 months ago. Uh, he had previously failed interferon beta and subsequently fingolimod and uh, despite being on saponimab for 18 months, he noticed that he was gradually worsening in terms of his walking distance and he also developed early involvement of his right hand and had lost dexterity, was having difficulty doing fine motor tasks, particularly these bimanual tasks requiring both hands. And he questioned whether or not saponimid was the right drug for him. Uh, and considering that he had been on a similar drug in the past, Fingolimid, how could saponimid work? <laughs> and he also asked if he, if his MS would ever burn out. In other words, would he continue to get worse forever or would he at some point stabilize? So the first half of the question really is the fingolimate to saponimate switch, and I have discussed this quite a lot on the MS Selfie uh, site and in the newsletters in the past. And uh, and I'll, I'll refer you to a, um, a detailed newsletter I did on uh, in August of 2021 called Managing Small Ring MS. I would suggest you go back and read it. The case for changing from fingolimid to saponimid is based on evidence. There's a good evidence base, in, at least in saponimid, in a phase three trial, that it does impact on secondary progressive MS. It slows down the worsening, um, and it also slows down brain volume loss, particularly uh, the gray matter volume loss. It's also associated with maintaining the structural integrity of the brain. And we know clinically uh, it, it helps to stabilize or, or prevent worsening cognitive impairment. So there is really good clinical and paraclinical MRI data uh, that saponimid works in the central nervous system. In comparison, fingolimid in the primary progressive trial was negative. It didn't have any impact on brain volume loss or cognition or anything. So we do have trials in what I call smoldering MS phase, secondary and primary progressive MS, where there's a difference between these two drugs. And it may relate to the fact that uh, saponimid is actually an active drug. It doesn't need to be activated in the body. Where saponimid is a prodrug, it needs to be phosphorylated to be activated. And we don't know how well this process occurs in the central nervous system. So there are biological reasons why saponimid may have uh, actions within the central nervous system and fingolimid may not have ac activity within the central nervous system. And saponimid probably works better on one of the receptors called the sphingosine 1-phosphate 5, S1P5 receptor, which may be very important in terms of glial biology and promoting remyelination or recovery of function. So there are reasons from a biological perspective and a pharmacological perspective why saponimid may be better than fingolimid in more advanced uh, work, what I call smoldering MS. Another very important reason is hope. You know, I, I completely believe in this concept of spreading the hope, giving people with MS hope. And if they've entered the secondary progressive phase and they're on a treatment and they're getting worse, there is options for them to go on to. So um, <clears throat> that's what I would uh, think is a very important message is that uh, people with multiple sclerosis have to have hope. 
okay? Now, one of the obvious problems, at least in the NHS, once you've labeled somebody as having secondary progressive disease and put them on saponamide, you've labeled them as having SPMS, and that often closes the door behind them, and that's all the therapies that they're eligible for unless they go into trials. So that's why I call saponamide a cul-de-sac drug in the context of secondary progressive disease. And I suppose the same thing exists for ocrelizumab, ocrevus, in primary progressive. Once you put a primary progressive patient on ocrevus and label them as having primary progressive disease, there's no stepping out of that and going on to something else. Well, on the... Uh, under the NHS England algorithm. In our centre, we often do things creatively using off-label therapies. In the past, um, you know, we, we could only start saponamide if people had active disease, in other words, relapses or new lesions on MRI in the last two to three years. Good thing is now NHS England has said that's not necessary if you're on an existing disease-modifying treatment. And I suppose the logic behind that is if you're on a therapy, those, that therapy is actually suppressing focal inflammation, stopping you having relapses or MRI activity. But if you're still getting worse, you have the option of having of switching to saponamide. Um, this is very, very important because in the past, we would have to stop the therapy, wait for you to relapse or develop MRI activity before starting you on saponamide. So they're treating people that are getting worse on an existing disease-modifying treatment or a disease-modifying treatment as having active secondary progressive disease if they continue to worsen. This is really important message to get across. Now, but what about this concept of burnt-out MS? So I thought I'd play a game, and I actually asked ChatGTP if MS ever burns itself out. And I got back a, quite a long reply, but I'll just give you the top headline result multiple sclerosis does not burn itself out it's a chronic and lifelong condition that requires ongoing management and treatment so that's chat gpt3's answer i'm not sure i agree with it you know i did uh, work for professor ian mcdonald the ian mcdonald that gave his name to the mcdonald criteria and he always used to point out that in his own experience a minority of patients with worsening or progressive ms would continue to worsen for many years, and then all of a sudden they would stop. Well, not all of a sudden, but over a period of time, they would stop getting worse, and they'd, and they would flatline as if the disease burnt itself out. And he used to call that burnt out MS. Um, and he would tell people in his patients in his clinic, he said, "I don't know what's going to happen to you in the future, but that you've got about a one in ten chance of developing burnt out MS." And he would describe this to them. So this was kind of like giving people hope that the disease may not continue to worsen forever and at some point it will burn out. And I am aware that burnt-out MS as a concept is very controversial in the MS space. Um, there's not much literature on it. I know other clinicians uh, have noticed this, and I've noticed it as well, and we don't like to talk about it. Um, and, and one of the issues is it often gets mixed up. Um, uh, they often mix up the concept of burnt-out MS with benign MS, and they are completely different. You know, by definition, benign MS is having MS for extended for extended period of time, 15, 20, 25, 30, even 40 years, with, li with little acquisition of disability. In other words, you're completely mobile and the disease has not affected you. That's benign MS. That's not burnt-out MS. That's benign MS. Burnt-out MS is normally in people who've got progressive disease. In other words, they've noticed worsening. They're quite advanced. That maybe EDSS 5, 5.5, 6, needing a walking stick, whatever. And then all of a sudden, after many, many years, they notice that their disease stabilizes. And that's a different uh, concept to benign MS. These people have got disability.
Um, so this would be what I would call flatlining of disability after a period of smoldering MS where you haven't had any relapse of MRI activity, you've been getting worse gradually, and then all of a sudden you flatline. And so it, by definition, in people with more advanced disease. And I agree with Professor uh, McDonald's observation. Um, and I, but I have one proviso that many of the patients that have burnt out MS, and I see them in clinic, you know, they may be stable for decades and often come back when they get older with deterioration in function that I think is likely to be age-related or aging. So these people tend to be in their 60s and 70s. They may have gone a decade or more where their disease has been very stable and then they come back and they say, I'm getting worse. And then you interrogate them, you examine them, put them through an MRI scan, a lumbar puncture them, and you often find no evidence of MS disease activity. And the worst thing tends to be in a pathway or neuronal system that was previously damaged. So I suspect what's happened is they lost reserve in that pathway. They don't have the ability to age in that pathway well. And so it brings aging forward and the worsening is not MS. Well, it is MS in the sense that MS reduced the reserve capacity in that pathway. But what's driving the worsening now is aging. And we don't have therapies for aging at this point in time. I think we will have in the future, and we're testing therapies for aging, anti-aging in MS, but until we have a treatment, we just got to say to you, there's nothing we can do about that. Um, <clears throat> another reason for this flatlining or burnt out MS, um, maybe simply therapeutic lag. When you start a therapy that's anti-inflammatory, it stops new lesions from forming. So it stops damage from occurring, but it doesn't fix the previous damage. Uh, and that previous damage often takes decades to run through the system. So a damaged pathway as fibers may be firing, uh, you know, just surviving, and then they die off over time. And that's probably why with more advanced and progressive trials, it often takes time to see the therapeutic effect. And that's called therapeutic lag. And I uh, discussed that in detail in a previous MSLF newsletter called Worsening. Um, and I'll refer you to re, I'll refer you back to that uh, uh, MSLF newsletter because it kind of explains, it's probably the most important newsletter I've written. So I urge you to go back. But what we have now noticed is that some of the pathologies that we think drive smoldering MS, for example, these paramagnetic iron rim lesions, these are the hot microglial lesions, you know, they've always thought to continue to expand over time uh, slowly, and that's not necessarily correct. A, a new study came out about two years ago showing that if you follow these lesions up for, you know, seven up to seven years, a lot of them lose their iron rims and they stop expanding. So we mustn't just assume that, what we call slowly expanding or these rim lesions and will continue to expand indefinitely. I think the jury's out and we need more studies, particularly long-term studies on this issue. So this is actually quite an important message is that smoldering MS may not smolder forever. It may stop smoldering. Okay. And we may be able to mo modify this process with therapeutic, with therapeutics, you know, drugs. And this is why the BTK, the brutine tyrosine kinase inhibitors are very exciting because they actually work against microglia and, then, and there's been some recent, well, there's been some early data showing that they actually impact on slowly expanding lesions. So we may be able to modify uh, smoldering MS and stop smoldering-associated worsening and drive people with more advanced disease into what we would call the burnt-out MS phase. Now, that's not going to sort out the aging process. It may come later, but it's at least going to flatline a proportion of patients. Anyway, this is a new concept. I haven't really discussed it much in the past, simply because there's not much clinical data on this uh, and not much research on this. But I would like to know if you've heard, heard about burnt-out MS. Uh, if you had, please 
you know, leave a comment. We can start discussing it. And I'd be interested to know if any of you think you've got burnt out MS. And what I mean is you had a, you've got MS usually for many, many years. You've had slowly, so you know, smoldering associated worsening. You've been gradually getting worse uh, without having obvious relapses or new lesions on your MRI scans. And all of a sudden, I shouldn't say all of a sudden, what you've noticed over the last few months or years, that things actually haven't been getting worse. You've actually flatlined and you're, and you're on a plateau. And so, you know, it may be worthwhile coming forward and telling us, have you noticed uh, your MS burning out? Um, and we can maybe do a survey on this if there's enough people out there who think this is an issue. <clears throat> uh, please go back and read Getting Worse, and you can ask me questions around that. Um, what I'm going to have to do now is update that newsletter. Maybe I'll rewrite it or put it out in a different format with a podcast. Uh, and I will include this concept of burnt-out MS and explain to you why I think it may happen and why our clinical observations are probably real. And I say this is because it's usually experienced neurologists who've been in the field for a long period of time and followed up patients for decades that are the people that tell you about burnt-out MS. Uh, and I think it takes time to see it. You have to follow up uh, you know, relatively large groups of patients now, it's not the majority. I, I do think it's a small number uh, of people. And I think Professor McDonald's you know, ballpark figure of 10% is probably right in that range. But the question is, can we take it from 10% to 50% with therapies? And that's the real question. Can we flatline uh, people with smoldering-associated worsening? And I'm hopeful that our therapies that are being tested now will do that. Um, please share this newsletter with anybody you think may benefit from it, and then I will continue to nudge you. If you haven't subscribed and you can afford to, please do. Um, I've got quite a lot of expenses coming with MSL. We'll be taking uh, it to Ectrums. We're hoping to put up a stand at Ectrums, and I've got to um, you know, get resources in to cover all the um, expenses of getting there, having staff, etc., uh, running the the, the, the um uh, stand so that we can at least hopefully spread the, the word of MSL to uh, other people attending at Crims. Uh, enjoy.